experience our bodies as an instrument to remind ourselves of how to be present. But just to be simple, yoga is anything. As soon as you start practicing Zen, or you, that's yoga, as soon as you start practicing being present in the moment, I'm not going to argue that it's arguably yoga. The body in a parasympathetic nervous state, parasympathetic ultimately means relaxed or means um, feeling safe. It starts to regenerate and heal itself. Hey guys, welcome to another episode. My guest today is Lawrence J. Lawrence, a transformational coach for all things body-mind connection and the CEO of Frequency Flow Yoga. Since 2007, Lawrence has been leading international groups in self-development, combining a system of Eastern philosophy, modern science, mindful movement, craniosacral, which I can never pronounce. We're going to talk about what it is because I don't know what it is. Craniosacral work, breathing, meditation, self-reflection, visualization techniques, and something called QU motion, which we're going to talk about as well. Okay, interesting. Whoa, you went into it. Is that is that QU? Q? How do you pronounce that? Q motion. Q motion. Okay. So Lauren's been teaching and practicing yoga for over 20 years. He's worked internationally in Canada, Hong Kong, Australia, Russia, Indonesia, opening yoga studios and leading teacher trainings. Lawrence's brand of yoga includes alignment and flow classes based on safe biomechanics. So we're going to talk about today about body, mind, spirit, and all things in between. Welcome. Yeah. Weird to hear somebody talk about you with like that voice, you know, that like host voice, like Lawrence has been doing this. You know, it's like, yeah. that is an experience. I'm, I'm glad to be okay. here. Okay. How do you, you feel about it? It feels like um, I would much rather have a conversation that feels modest about some of the stuff that's involved in like in, in the introduction, but yeah, it feels weird. <laughs> That's okay. what I said. It feels weird, awkward. Let's. I mean, let's start with awkward, and mm -hmm. then hopefully go from awkward to modest. Okay, cool. Um, like I like it. to start from the beginning. Describe where you grew up. How was it? Anything you want to share? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, great, great opportunity. I grew up in York Region, Ontario, which is like it's like just the suburbs of Toronto. Okay. What do you want to know? You want to know about my parents and like. So, yeah, like how, like how was your childhood? How do you describe it in like a couple sentences? Huh. I'd say that it was, it was a beautiful experience from perspective of, I mean, you don't know anymore. I played sports. My parents were Russian, so we had like these like Russian and then like Jewish vibes where I would go to Hebrew school. It was full of financial ups and downs that I think like I was trying to figure out as a kid what, what it meant. I think as an adult, I'm still trying to figure out what it means. But like that was like it was interesting. We moved from over my childhood from houses like big houses, small houses, new cars, shitty old cars <laughs> like there was so much like awareness of that if I think about my childhood now. But. I think the biggest part of my childhood in terms of my joy was sports. I played baseball and hockey. Oh, wow. I played baseball and hockey, and I loved playing baseball and hockey. And I even, like, got good at them towards, like, my older years. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, to me, I know you because we're part of, uh, part of a mastermind, and you have this very masculine energy. You're very upfront. You're very up there. And to me... 
this is very interesting how this combines with the yoga. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, how did this guy who is very masculine playing all the sports discovers this gentle, fluid thing as yoga? When was your first experience and how did that became something important in your life? So my relationship with yoga was through the body because of my sports background. Um, but even in my sports background, there was something missing that yoga provided for me. And that was, you can call a connection to self and spirituality. It's probably what people ex expect. But I think everything is spiritual. Like sometimes we just get that key, something turns on and like, whoa, that changes your life. And I'm still figuring this one out. But what yoga did for me is it introduced to me the ability to learn something. Okay. I could learn something. Like I could learn a pose. Yeah. Yeah. Like, whoa, like I, yesterday I couldn't do this. Now I can do this. Okay. And in life, I didn't have that concept. I wasn't good at school. I didn't have... um patience to figure shit out and i don't think at home there was enough patience to figure out like this is where you like this is a cool conversation because how often do you get to talk about yourself you know? <laughs> yeah I, I like your awareness usually people just talk about themselves but you're talking about yourself but I, well, because i see how this conversation is cathartic already okay you know yeah um but what was I saying before I interrupted myself? <laughs> you were saying that yoga. Oh, yeah. Okay, I see. The dichotomy and the contrast yeah. is like very true. I never really realized that I'd say like my family life at home was really chaotic. Okay. I don't, I'm not, I'm not like pointing fingers. I just think that energies didn't align. So like if I, like I would be a little bit of a tornado at times and, and at the same time not re getting sensitivity. Like I don't think there was like a, an understanding of how to, for me to be in with my parents and how for them to be with me so there was a lot of chaos and stress and tension at home sports was like one of the ways out of it for me also my friends and their houses there was like more a sense of like joyousness so i would probably go there a lot more um but at home even still I, when i hang out with my parents it's like it's a challenge to be able to be calm so it's interesting how i took this route in life of like seeking calm yeah that's really it there's maybe a belief system in place and i, like, I don't know if it's positive or negative but like that calm breeds success okay yeah yeah I mean, seems pretty positive to me yeah so i mean i lived in toronto so i can i can speak for suburbs of toronto yoga is not like the first thing they, still they still it's not in canada like still. if you go to vancouver everybody's in yes. like yoga pants but that's where i started yoga vancouver okay so you moved to vancouver and that's that, that's where you find out yoga like yeah w when was your first time you going to like a the yoga first class? time that i remember yoga i had a girlfriend who passed away a few years after we were together but she was very instrumental in terms of being impressionable on me and she was doing yoga on a vhs at home and i was like somebody i know was doing yoga but i didn't understand it didn't pay much attention i was way too distracted and i was like okay that's her thing a few years later in i have acting background i was in theater school they were doing yoga in theater school and i remember doing it kind of like warm-ups but i wasn't at the point where i was doing yoga i was going through the motions it was painful. I didn't like it. And I didn't have moments of, ha. Ah. Um, so I missed it. Then I went to theater school and in that same theater school program, the voice coach was just like, you're not, you're not getting better. 
Okay. You're not connecting. Yeah. Like you're showing up completely like not here. You're not present. You have to do yoga. You need to do something to start feeling. So that was in Toronto. And I looked for yoga in Toronto, like targeted studios, found them, but never made it. I ended up moving to Vancouver in that same year. And there was a yoga studio, basically like a 10 minute walk from where I was living. And right away I started doing yoga in Vancouver. It's like I had to go to Vancouver to start it. Like it yeah. was it wasn't happening in Toronto. And then I was doing hot yoga, Bikram hot yoga as a sport, but I was noticing that holy shit, I'm like I'm experiencing this new feeling that I would have previously called exhausted, but there was something so pure, maybe because of the hot yoga experience, it felt clean too. There's a calmness to it. Um, it was new and I just kept doing it because but I remember like hot yoga was terrifying. Like you're going into this hot room and like, I was so insecure uh, in terms of body awareness and there'd be like hot girls in the room. Yeah. So there was, it was challenging, but after a short amount of time, it started being worth it. Like, you know, like the, the Bikram class, like for anybody is really awesome because like, no matter what kind of body you have, it's just going to like, lengthen you and lean you out yeah so like you feel a little taller and a little sexier at the end yeah i did it actually for a while in vancouver um, oh yeah which which studio curiously there's one big one I, i'm forgetting the name yoga flow or something yeah, like everard like the y-yoga yes, one yeah, yes yeah. y-yoga yeah. so i used to do there um every week and i loved it cool i like how usually to me like Vipassana yoga, where you move through the poses very slowly, and I like vinyasa. You mean? Oh, vinyasa. So yeah, yeah. Vipassana is a different. Yes. Thing. Um, see, that's that's how much I know. That, that, well, you know the names at yes, least. Yes, yes, <laughs> it's yes, a start. Yes, yes. That's why we're talking. Yeah. So I remember I would like be really bored with vinyasa. I mean, I guess there's different vinyasas, but the one that I went to was like, when is gonna stop? Uh -huh. But Bikram, because you're switching. Like first you're starting like from the bottom, then you stand up, then you go. You're always switching. And then at the end, you're like at in, on your knees and stuff. Yeah. For to me, that was interesting because you're moving up and down instead of just okay, we're doing this sort of cycle. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting perspective. Yeah. Cool. All right, but yeah, I don't know much about yoga. I I, I tried it, but I can't say I'm I'm, I'm any good. Um, that that's why <laughs> I want to learn more. It's always funny, probably for most yogis, when when anybody's refers to being good at yoga yeah you know what i mean because that's like the perspective of of it as a sport or something like that yeah well actually let's talk about it like what's what is being good at yoga like what is yoga because i mean i'm definitely worse than you i recently was on a marcus's retreat and they yeah. did yoga and i would like struggle everybody would do it and i haven't done yoga for so long that i would be like sitting up and i'm like i cannot do it anymore so mm -hmm. I'm not as good. So I assume somebody who is doing is better than me. But, but like, it? what's your, what's your, okay, right now we're talking about like the physical experience of yoga, yeah. right? Yeah. So, which normally is known as asana. But my question to you is what, like physically, what do you do normally? Like, do you work out? Like, what do you, I, I, I'm not aware. I go, yeah, I go to the gym. Uh, I work out with a personal trainer three times a week, uh -huh. just strength training. I do uh, walk about 10,000 steps every morning and I do some stretching. So some stretching is like unconscious yoga. Okay. Basically. Right. So yeah. like for you at least, right. So like yeah. if you spent more of that time that you were doing everything else in your stretching, eventually it would start to turn into yoga. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's really like, 
from that point of view, it's understanding how to use all of the skills that you have already in one space. Okay. In one space. So the strength training, you want to build like engagement in your muscles, the stretch, you know, you want to be able to at the same time as engaging, you want to be able to find the balance of extension. So you stay limber, so you stay long, so you get circulation moving, that kind of stuff. And then um, the walk, it's your meditation, right? Yes. Right. So you add that meditative standpoint, but you put it all into one. And then what what it turns into is this like practice of presence. And then hopefully you're practicing or anybody's practicing of presence, whether it be physical or just, um, I mean, f- walking we can call is less physical, but it's still physical. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we experience our bodies as an instrument to remind ourselves of how to be present amongst other things they do but that's really yep. like the because even if the things that they do whether it's play guitar or sport or like write a book like in presence they're just more effective more interesting for sure so getting back to your story you moved from ontario to vancouver yeah you found out yoga how did your life unfold from there well i moved to vancouver and i found yoga as a practice I guess I'm trying to think of like a story to tell or like the, the, the I just kind of like used it as my workout for a while. But what happened was the people and this was living in Vancouver versus living in Toronto. It's like all of a sudden like the, the hippies are coming out. But like I didn't know what that meant. Like for me, it was just like people that were like, oh, alternative perspectives are starting to happen <laughs> in my life. Like people see the world like this now. And at that point, I was like staunch Jew. You know, like when I moved to Vancouver, I was I was raised in like a a really strong Jewish community. So political views, like I was always politically minded. It was interesting to me, things like 9-11 and George Bush, like being the president and whatever, like all, all like that Michael Moore era of like trying to figure out what's like politically right and wrong and whatever. And then I start talking to like people who had different perspectives that were like my friend Jackie I remember was part of the Israeli army and I would be like Israel is the best and he'd be like actually no we're not I was in the (laughs) army I can tell you some shit you know and I I was like what like you know like all of a sudden all these like paradigm shifts for me started happening and yoga was a big part of that another big part of that for me actually at that time because I was an actor at the time yoga was just like an extension to the gym but it was something that I was like oh like physically effective and when I started getting comfortable in my body, I would start being between the hot girls, you know, like there was things that were interesting in the yoga class, but it was still physically challenging. Um, But acting was something that I was also pursuing and it contributed to a lot of wake up points to my consciousness. Like I had a moment in my acting class in Vancouver that changed my life. Probably it was just like, it was a class called the Meisner technique where we were doing, listening exercises okay so i'm like listening to the person across from me and what i realized was oh i never like we didn't learn how to listen in my house so like we were always talking at each other yeah but we were never listening to each other like nobody was like invested in the person across from them in terms of their opinion and if they could change their mind like open to that yeah so that was big for me. So acting and yoga kind of melted into one thing in that Vancouver time. And I think that my yoga, that's what wakes my yoga. Like we we can talk about all the stuff that you read in the 
intro and stuff it sounds overwhelming because i think like for me yoga is this conversation that we're having that that i'm trying to bring up now it's like it's the moment of being real with yourself that acting and yoga have this like dance like acting is the practice of like if you look at the practice of the craft of acting right not like the hollywood whatever stuff that's you know that we think of but like acting as a practice is to like get so raw and so aware of yourself that you can enter any address you can enter any circumstances like under these circumstances so um, acting provided this like need to self-explore learn myself and yoga was like a a broad experience expression of that on the physical level that also like so that it just became like one practice for me and it's probably what my yoga is still today although it's always hard to figure out how to like plant like put it in the marketplace that way you know yeah but it's like my my acting teachers were like therapists so i chose charismatic and interesting yoga teachers but i think i got the most satisfaction from the yoga teachers that were like all about like emotional trauma healing and that kind of stuff that was always the most interesting part because that had to do with looking at yourself again and then also like being vulnerable and so i mean we're going into a conversation which is so much different than how's your handstand are you good at handstand yeah so so my question then is listening to what you're saying can yoga be without any movement can i just be yeah, and for sure. Yoga. I mean, like, I think meditation is yoga. Oh, meditation is yoga as well. I mean, it's part of... See, yoga is so broad in the sense of, like, if you look at... I try not to do these things. Like, I was going to say, if you look at, like, Indian traditional text and, like, and categorization and everything, like, yoga has the eight limbs, and it goes beyond that, depending on the school that you're that you're looking at and the lineage. So, the, it's, like, endless uh, content on this stuff and perspectives on this stuff. But just to be simple, yoga is anything. <laughs> it really is. It's like as soon as you start practicing Zen or you, that's yoga. As soon as you start practicing being present in the moment, I'm not going to argue that it's arguably yoga. Okay. <laughs> Why not? Um, anything is yoga in that sense. How did that, like fasting forward your story, how did uh, that brought you to places like Russia, Australia, Hong Kong. Did you decide to go traveling? How did you start? So I first started traveling from Toronto to Vancouver. That was like that story. Yeah. That was a story I already told. So it became like, I think, on this stealth level, like part of my identity. Like I didn't live at home anymore. As I was moving from trying to be an actor to a chosen path of now I'm going to be a yoga teacher that happened in Vancouver. And when that happened, I met a man who was my teacher who became my teacher. That was, and the whole community was a, was a, a bunch of teachers who had spent time in Hong Kong. Okay. There was a studio in Hong Kong. It still exists. Super successful studio called pure yoga. And there was, um, a lot of teachers that had spent time at in that that were in my life in Vancouver that had spent time in Hong Kong or a lot of the Hong Kong teachers people that were still there that was like this was in 2005 6 7 2006 yeah. and 7 they would like travel in you know between Vancouver and Hong Kong like because they were maybe from Vancouver and they were coming home and stuff like that so 
I was turned on to the idea of Hong Kong as like a place that I can work and teach yoga. And I was like, Ooh, like it was just like, it felt like so futuristic and like out there of an idea, but it turned me on and I started to know people who had had this experience. And when I had met them, like they were cool, you know, like in my eyes, I was like, that's a cool person. I, I I vibe with them. I want to be like sophisticated like that. So there was a draw. This was simultaneously happened when the director of the yoga studio in Hong Kong started coming to Vancouver. He was friends with the studio owners and stuff. And I was just exposed to it at a time where I was needing to choose what teacher training I was going to do. Like I was, I'm becoming a teacher. What's going to be my teacher training? Like how, and this man, Patrick, who's still I'm close with was doing a teacher training in Hong Kong at pure yoga. And I went, that was a big deal. But like, you know, I went to Hong Kong (laughs) (laughs) from Canada. Um, I spent six weeks there, did a couple of teacher training programs and came back and, you know, started teaching yoga full time, which was a struggle in Vancouver. It felt weird. Um, felt like a little bit like being a server. Okay. Like it just felt like I was like hustling, you know, like, like around the city, like teaching classes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't love it. Um, and then I got the opportunity to do a job interview for the Hong Kong people. I went, I got the job in October of 2007. I moved there and, um, that was just a machine. Like it's a corporate studio designed for foreign or expat teachers to come in and, and create that brand of that huge yoga studio with solid teaching and charismatic teaching from like Western faces for the both expat population of Hong Kong, but also the local population of Hong Kong. Yeah. Um, and I was part of that the school, which I think made me a really good teacher, or at least like made me super comfortable in that space. Cause I was teaching, like we were all teaching like 10, 11, 12, 16 classes a week. Like it was ridiculous in oh. terms of numbers, but it was just like day in day out. And the studio would do it in a way that it wasn't like when I was in Vancouver where I'm r- driving around the city, I would work at one place every day. I would teach three classes in a row. You know, it's not like one in the morning, one in the afternoon, like they, f- they made it livable, workable. And we just doom, 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 did it. I had access to other yoga some some really good yoga teachers that were part of the studio slash community. Um, and also all kinds of different yogas because it was such a big place that they would have Indian teachers come in. They would have Kundalini teachers. They would do it was very much like now in Bali, like yoga barn. Yeah. But from like 15 years ago, like yeah. this, like what's going on here right now is the only place in the world that can really pull this off. Like there's some places maybe, but like yoga barn is pretty impressive, I think. Why it's impressive for people who don't know what Yoga Barn is? Well, yoga Barn is a local studio here in Ubud where we live. And um, it's impressive because it's really like a yoga amusement park in the sense that you can go to the studio. There are classes from 7 a.m. all the way to like 7, 6 p.m. or whatever. Like I think um, events and stuff like that. But like also the menu of classes are so diverse. It's like you can get anything. Like it's just overwhelming. But for somebody who's like a tourist, I think that it's a really cool experience. Um, even Hong Kong's much more corporate, so it's much more conservative than Ubud will ever be. Yeah. Uh, but it was a very similar concept that was going on there. There was classes that were 
not directed or make meant specifically for a tourist it was for like a local person who's working hard but like the people like it's it's the city that doesn't really sleep in, in many ways there'd be classes at 9 p.m at 10 p.m you know yeah. and, and like all day long and and very like alpha like you know ambitious kind of culture so the yoga was very ambitious you know everybody wanted to be good at <laughs> yoga like you right <laughs> you would have loved the hong kong yoga it was so cool for me because like in vancouver yoga was leisure yeah. It was like, this is my workout, you know? Yeah. And like, I like the conversations that my friends had in Vancouver that were like conversations that were more about like consciousness would come up, you know? That was more, that's where like the yoga peeps became more interesting than the acting peeps. The acting people were like, they were creative, but they spiritually empty in that, in that sense. Whereas like I had spiritual moments in acting, but I could only really relate to people and talk to my yoga friends, at least at the time right yeah. about it and my yoga friends were like into psychedelics and like consciousness expansion and yeah. i was like i felt like 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 we were in the 60s and like we were about to have like this revolution of like a love revolution you know like <laughs> I, I, I believed in it and then i moved to hong kong and hong kong it was just different it's like you're in new york city nobody gives a fuck yeah. i lived in moscow it's very similar nobody gives a fuck in these big cities but yoga is um maybe it's much more necessary in these cities, I find. It's like, oh, fuck, like, without this, like, my life is much, much more difficult. Whereas in a place like Ubud or a place like Vancouver or, you know, I could do without yoga a little bit easier than yeah. in a place like Hong Kong, Moscow, or um, I would imagine New York City. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Um, so, yeah, tell me about Moscow. How did you get, how did you get to live in Moscow? That's a that's a jump. That's a jump. But I'll, so, well, if if you want to do some in between, uh, we can talk about some in between. If, if that's too too big of a jump, let's let's do smaller jumps. I mean, just the coming to Russia was an interesting thing, you okay. know. Which that was not just Moscow, but I was starting to get really comfortable with. Um, being in Asia from Hong Kong, started spending more time here on Bali, which I appreciated and was getting opportunities. Um, but I had a vision of travel. Like I really wanted to travel a lot and see the world and, and experience that traveling teacher, whatever that I was, you know, being influenced by, by the teachers that I was practicing with. So I started to travel places like Sydney, like, um, Bali, obviously, Hong Kong. I was traveling in, in Canada and teaching in Canada a lot at the time. And I, I was here in Bali and I had a couple that was looking for a private class and I ended up teaching them and they were a Russian couple. And my parents were both born in the Soviet Union. So I have a little bit of like Ruski knowledge. I spoke Russian growing <laughs> up. Um, and with this couple, I just started like shooting the shit with them in, in Russian at the beginning. I was like trying to create rapport at the beginning of the class. But when it was time to teach, I had to go back to English. It's all I knew, you know, yeah. and they were like, we don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I remember being like, what? How is that possible? It's always interesting to me because at that time in Bali, I was starting to hang out with Russian people. And I, my only reference for Russian people before that were my parents and their friends. Like yeah. it wasn't like people my age. And if it was my age, it was like through my parents, like so family friends. There was a kind of like 
yeah, whatever that, that feeling of being like relatives to people. But all of a sudden I was seeing like Russian people that were my age that were like socially in my classes and socially in in this world. And that was kind of a trip for me because like it was 10 years ago, more now, 2012, 2011, 2011. So 12 years ago, it's like Russia advances slower than the rest of the world. (laughs) So like, and I don't, it's not a judgment or a critique, like, but when all my friends are eating takeout, like Russians are still making butt wheat and, you know, and like at home eating, like there's just different mentalities around things that are really simple. That was really nostalgic for me hanging (laughs) out with Russian people. It's like hanging, I was like, I'm hanging out basically with my parents, like uh, whatever, 30 years ago. Like it was fascinating to me fascinating to get to hang out with like russian whatever people my age so i took that i think i got an offer from that from that couple who like somehow like we made it through three weeks of private classes basically every day like we just built a relationship a little bit about me learning russian or how to teach in russian um them learning yoga and i guess like they were beginners enough that like the fact that i had to stop and break the flow and like was it, it was good for them they were like oh okay we can take another break where usually i would like go hard fast because i would just be comfortable yeah um yeah so they invited me to st petersburg this guy for in july in the summer when there was no snow and people were like there's white nights. It's like a fascinating place. And I always wanted to go and I'd never been to Russia. So I, I went and after spending a month there, I, I said to the guy, maybe we should open up a hot yoga studio because there's no hot yoga studio. This was in 2011. Like the, the Russian yoga scene was not modern or at least the St. Petersburg no, in St. Petersburg. Yeah, it wasn't modern. It was like people like t- doing yoga underground in some room yeah. while I was coming from Hong Kong, you know, where it was like like Peninsula Hotel or ta- towers, like 16th floor. And, you know, it's like yeah. r- just a different vibe. And I'm like, let's do it. So the idea, the seed was planted. And months later, as I was still like looking for a home, I lived in at that point, Vancouver. I went back to Vancouver from Hong Kong. Um, for a couple of months and then Russia called me again, the Russian guy. And he was like, Hey, we're going to open up a studio. Would you like to be involved in it? And I was like, ching, ching. Like, I was <laughs> like, yes, I, this would be so cool. I just saw what was possible, like in Canada and Hong Kong. I, I saw like the expansion, the growth. And, um, and I was like, it's, it hasn't happened in Russia yet. Like, can I be part of this? Also at the, at, this was in 2011, like Russia looked like a country that was moving towards Europeanization at the time. Yeah. It was like a few years later than shit went down. At that yeah. point, it was like things were like chill and it was really exciting to be part of it. Like, at least for me. Yeah. Yeah. The whole Ukraine thing kind of caught everybody off guard, at least me. But um, that started in like 2014, the way that it is now. But yeah, so... So that was the thing. Like I got into Russia and it was a really interesting experience to go there and live there. Um, And I picked up the language. I already had a little bit of like stepping stone blocks to it, but like, um, or stepping blocks, you know, like I had a foundation with my parents and stuff. And I I decoded a little bit. My dad would read like Russian newspapers. So I would like decode it. Like, what does this sound mean? What does that sound mean? I never actively used it. And then all of a sudden I was in it. 
like I was marinating in Russian culture and yeah. that was fascinating. I only taught in Russian. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I loved it. I loved St. Petersburg. Moscow is a different story. Much different. How are the people, like if you compare people who come to your yoga classes in Moscow, in Bali, Hong Kong, is there any difference? Or Depends even what part comes? of the city you are and what studio you work at in any of those places. Yeah. I, I'll have to generalize based on my experiences. Um, right now, Bali's interesting. It's it, it's it's exciting. Everybody's coming to do yoga. They're all wide eyed. They're like excited, you know. Yeah, and and if and and I tend to connect with my students. I think they're ready to connect in a different way than they are in the rest of the world. There's an an an, an a permission just based on the fact that you're around other people who also give you permission. Yeah. Mm, the drawback here is that 98 percent of my students i'm seeing one time yeah there's tourists who come and go yeah like maybe a little bit more but and those are those become special but for the most part one time so that's a it's a little las vegasy yeah that's a little hurtful at this point of being here for almost two years now like consistently it's like yeah. you're like spiritual casino a, li a lot like that like in terms of my heart like i'm not like we do everything we can in terms of the marketplace to make it feel amazing. And that's why it's also a little bit painful because there are authentic moments. But then after when you see them over and over again, you're like, okay. But I assume you also work at the place that is, uh, I guess, the most popular yoga place in Bali, maybe one of the most popular ones in the world. Mm -hmm. So people who go and type in Google, I want to do yoga. Yeah. They'll get yoga barn and yeah. they all go there. If and it's impressive. Yeah. And it's impressive I agree. on top of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you work somewhere in, I don't know, Pejang in a small studio, there will be lots of local people who would just go because tourists would not know about it, right? Is that true? I think so. Like, do you think that there's like a yoga, like a local yoga culture that's popular? I'm not talking about like local people, uh, some of them enjoy yeah. yoga, some of them don't, but I mean expats who live oh, yeah. in the area would go to your yoga class. More. So do you think that's true? You think like what's I want to know what studio does that like there are I think like, I, I I'm just I curious. I just think that there's like a watered down element, you know, like I feel like people who live on the island still go to my classes. OK, but it's there. It's like out of 50. It's three. Yeah, but because I mean, my logic is because yoga barn there's so many tourists. Yes. Everybody's uh, everybody's going to Yoga Barn. So maybe in a studio that is not as popular as Yoga Barn and tourists, you'll get not free, but, I don't know, 10. Hmm. But I, I could be wrong. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I just, I'm more asking because I'm like, I want to know that studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell me that studio. That's interesting. I wish I knew. Don't go to yoga. I just, I just shit talking. <laughs> I mean, it could be. Now I'm curious. I'm going to go looking for that archetype studio in Ubud. I'm sure it yeah, exists. Yeah. Your, your analytics, you just like little intelligence on that. Because on that I know now. my wife, she goes to one in Penestanan. And I think there's more people who are around. And I know a bunch of people that I'm, I, I go to a coffee shop and most of them go to that studio in, in Penestana. That's... Um, it's not Alchemy. It's next to Yellow Flower Cafe. Flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should go there. I've never been. Yeah. See? Maybe I'm sure that. Or maybe it's okay when people are there for, for a day, see you, enjoy you, and then go back to Moscow. And That's cool too. Yeah. But it is. It's But it's just like something that happens. 
it is yeah. it's cool too i appreciate it but it's sad after a while it's like oh you want to develop you know grass is always greener yes yeah so and i'm also that's also in reference it's not that like i don't love the experience that i have here it's that in reference to comparing it to places like hong kong like places like hong kong like you develop a relationship with expats like there's also different hong kong like i taught in central studio which is right in the center of hong kong which is um like a lot of expats and 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 you're dealing with you're teaching english and people understand what you're saying so they're moving and you know what have you and then i taught in a place called cory bay in uh, hong kong where it was mostly locals and like my jokes weren't landing (laughs) (laughs) you know my jokes didn't land and i and i learned and i think that was a gift because i learned how to teach like physically like i had to show up and be like step your right foot forward how watch how watch so i learned how to teach with my body as opposed to just with my words i see um and i got to experience that i also taught like in sydney it was easy man like in places like sydney it's easy in places like just like vancouver right there's a bunch of yoga people are just like ready to go like even if they don't do yoga they're so physical already yeah like they're so physical so they're and in places like vancouver and and sydney for example or melbourne or perth or whatever like those like people are spiritually hungry so the ability to interweave spiritual spirituality which is like something that they're craving with physicality which is something that they're familiar with but they're not refined at for the most part yeah is a really sweet experience do you think that's related to the dynamic of the city let's say if we take vancouver or west coast and australia is very much like west coast very slow paced everybody's like chilling people In, in go to Toronto is like hustle and work and we need to work probably same in Hong Kong yeah well if you go to Vancouver I, I remember I was relocating to Vancouver so this company paid to get me to Vancouver and the first time first thing the guy said when I walked into the office he's like we don't work as hard as Toronto forget about that and I was like all right no problem so and that sort of carried me through my Vancouver years that we and, don't work as hard as Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So do you think that's related? Because when you like, when you chill out and you like, the work is important but not as important, then you start to seek spirituality. And that's why Bali is so spiritual as well. Look, it's like this, bro. It's like this. Give me, give me five secrets to, it's, it's to like, the spirituality. I'm going to tell you right now why Vancouver or Bali is more spiritual than Toronto or Hong Kong. Because there's more open sky and less billboards right so nature is in your face like nature is communicating with you as opposed to messages that have been predetermined by people who are literally trying to like seamlessly sneak into your thought pattern so that's what the whole secret of life is like that's what yoga is can i spend more time not thinking feeling being and can i choose the thoughts that i'm thinking so in a place like Hong Kong or Toronto, you're getting inundated with thoughts, like whether it's boundaries of, of <coughs> you can't park, you can't park here, yeah, you know, or traffic, or you're turning on the local radio. Like people in Toronto listen to the local radio, yeah, like that's a thing, right? So like they're being inundated with thought patterns that are like standardized across the board of like it they are that inundated programming is creating a reality that when you're 
and in a place that has spaciousness, you get to discover quiet and silence. I mean, it's becoming harder now because the internet is so readily, you know, so we can just like stuff podcasts in our ears and stuff. But like podcasts like are at least not standardized the same way that like the radio in the car is. Yeah. I'm sure if you if you if we, if we would talk on radio show right now, you would have like, I don't know, five minutes to say, then there'll be like 10,000 commercials and then you'll be cut off and then yeah. the conversation will be over. So, yeah. But then again, I used to listen to podcasts on my walks. For me, that was important or listen mm-hmm. to books. And then when I learned is I don't need anything. The mm. best way for me not to listen to anything because then I start to think about those things. Yes, Somebody will talk about some shit in a podcast and I would be like, next day walking around and I'm like, yeah, interesting how Joe Rogan does his fasting. I'm like, why do I care? Yeah. Why would I just walk and think about how Joe Rogan does his fasting? I don't give a shit about Joe Rogan, how he does his fasting. That's why a, is that in my th- thoughts? That's a fascinating realization. When, yeah. So when did you have that realization? Uh, after listening about 70 books a year. So I would go on my walks and I would always listen to things. Then at one point my AirPods died. And I was like, hmm, I guess I'll just walk. I felt very uncomfortable. But then I started to realize, okay, I need to think about something. And then I started to think about those things that I read in books or listen to podcasts. And I was like, this is all just bullshit. Why am I thinking about this? This is not me. It doesn't bring anything to my life. And it just I'm just keeping myself busy, like procrastinating in my head instead of just being silent. So when was that? Uh, time-wise? Yeah. I don't know, about a year ago. Okay, so a year ago. So now you've been... A, so, okay, that's the realization of the pattern. When is the implementation of the new action? When did that happen? Right away. Like I stopped listening to... I used to read... Right away, just like that? Yeah. So wow. I, I stopped listening to books and podcasts when I walk. So then you take just a... Ten, so you take a 10,000-step walk. How long is that walk? A 10,000-step walk is a long walk. Or is that like for your days? No, no, no. I mean... Uh, it varies about from six to ten thousand steps, but usually it's about hour, hour and a half. An hour and a half walk every morning. Yeah. You wake up. Is that the first thing you do? Yeah. <laughs> right away. You just get up and you go for the walk. Yeah. Wow, I love it. Okay, and but you used to get up and go for the walk with um, being stimulated with thought, but now you just get up and go, and now this empty space that you've had for a year, how has it manifested? Like, what has it changed for you? What it, I mean, you've realized that you're not thinking about Joe Rogan's fasting anymore or some kind of like fact that's not related to your life. So now you're either not thinking or you're thinking about at least like... I think about relevant stuff. Like I think about some of the projects I want to do. I think about what brings me forward. Sometimes I'll just joke with myself. I would just think about something funny and then I would laugh at it. And people would be like walking and thinking, this guy is weird. What is he, what, what but is it pre-planned like? or is it kind of stream, no, no, stream it, of consciousness? It's just stream of consciousness. Where do you walk to? Do you get a coffee? <laughs> yeah, after like I go to rice fields and there's like a couple loops. And one loop is about like two kilometers. So I do a couple of them. And then I meet my friend Alan who also walks and we go get coffee every morning. Okay. So like he's like part of your spiritual path. Yeah. We talk about some stuff, but like random stuff, just just chatter, just have fun, just joke around. Nothing to do with work. No, no. So just like a buddy. Yeah. <laughs> but would you do this? Would you do the coffee if he wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. So you just get the, and then you go and then you go to work. No. And then where do you go? Home to kids. Yeah, just go go to kids. Got it. So that first part is like your spiritual time. Then you go into like your roles, like your family time. And then from your family time, you get to work. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. 
some days you don't get to work no because of family time i usually work uh, three days a week so okay i want I, that job okay yeah sign up we're hiring i have a question for you okay um i want to talk about yoga teachers okay let's talk because i mean people who are listening to us a lot of them listening in bali recently the bali, recently the listenership in bali went up so people who understand bali they understand that if you take random person on the street in bali and say what do you do the most common answer will be i'm a yoga teacher which to me is interesting the same as like if you go to california and you ask who are you actor actor or on hollywood it'll be actor in silicon valley it will be like it guy yeah um i like your instagram post so i'm, I'm getting to your instagram post that you did recently okay. that said yoga teachers Ooh. are no longer good yoga, yoga teachers. teachers and that the job of yoga teachers to create crisis um in their students tell me more about it i think i think that's an important piece that i'm missing because i see yoga teachers and i I don't know, somehow I feel, or somebody tells me yoga teacher and I talk to them a little bit, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I would not go to your class. Like, I don't know why, but I just like, no, this person will not. So there's like very few people I see who says I'm a yoga teacher will be like, interesting, I want to try what you do. But most mm. of them won't be like, no, I don't know why. I just, I, I don't trust to go to your class. I don't want to, I think it will be wasted my time. Do you trust me? You haven't been to my class yet. I actually want to go. Yeah. Come. Yeah. Great. You can come with me today if you want, four o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have those podcasts at four o'clock, but uh, <laughs> I will come. I'm committing to come this month. Yeah. Okay. okay. Cool. 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 Yeah. So what's the question? The question is, yoga teachers are no longer good yoga teachers. Yeah. That was a post. That was a... Look, first of all, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swerve tangent and hopefully come back to this. Okay. Um, first of all, like, I love Instagram. I love saying things like making claims on instagram that will get people's attention i love that i think that's a teaching tool i try to use that in my yoga classes as well not everybody likes it people like can get offended and like they can get triggered and and they can go after you um when you're making claims (laughs) but maybe well if they get triggered there's a reason why so maybe it's in them something's not working so that's something that i'm working on myself like i want to be more claim claimy on Instagram, like just because I'm, I have fun doing it and I want it to be about fun, not so much about like selling things. Cause it's oh, like, if it's not fun, then I don't, it, the energy isn't the same. Anyhow, I like, I like the idea of that. I'm not necessarily good at it. I might be too sensitive for a lot of like, <laughs> like feedback, <laughs> which I need to like, I need to check it out. I People to... like it. I mean, I read some comments. They're like, it's in Russian. That one they liked. That yeah. one they liked. That one they liked. But I think cause I agree. And, I, I'm not yoga teacher, and I'm just seeing what I'm seeing, and I think you just nailed I hit the it. nail on the head. Yeah, and and well, the idea is it was based on P- BKS Iyengar, who's a a classic yoga teacher who is like every other yoga teacher been through scandals. Just like let's just put that there. Um, not anything that I know, but like for sure he's a man. He's a yoga teacher. There's a scandal that somebody buried up. Yes. but he in his book Light on Life said that the job of the yoga teacher is to create crisis in the student 
And that is something that I've been holding on to my whole yoga career. And I think that's what makes yoga interesting to me. That's what makes acting interesting to me. That, that, that's what makes Donald Trump interesting to me. Like there are things that are interesting and they're interesting because there's a crisis and you want to see how somebody shows up under fear. Lori Triolo, my acting teacher, used to teach us that when you are terrified, you are most honest. And in the yoga world, we would say opposite. We would say when you are most calm and connected to source, you are most honest. But what happens when your nerves and tension and your conditioning and your trauma takes you over? There's a level of honesty that like is either staying asleep and just being honest with yourself that you're stuck in some kind of a pattern or... um under a spell or a trance okay or the moment of shift where you wake up yeah and sometimes it's like a snap and sometimes it's like a slow process but that moment of shift and that moment of vulnerability of realization that like there's more than what you were completely confident there, you know, like you're like, I'm confident. I am certain that life is like this and I'm going to show up and I'm going to, I'm going to put all my money down. That life is like this, you know, and then it's not. And that moment of like realization is, is so powerful, but we don't get that moment of realization in a modern yoga world or just in a modern yoga in a modern world where everything's about being polite now like a lot is about being polite so you need like a safe space so to speak to be able to create crisis or frustration in the person so then when it happens in real life it's like Conor McGregor, like he drills it and drills it and drills it. We need to drill frustration. I'm not saying we need to live in frustration. I'm saying we need to drill the moment that we start suffering. We need to drill it so that we can take ourselves out of it. There's got, there's, there's got to be like a transition muscle of, oh, fuck, like, like I'm starting to get pissed off at somebody about something that has nothing to do with them. Let me get back to my center. I think that's interesting. That's very interesting. How does that connecting to yoga teachers these days are not good yoga teachers? Because there's like, I get I, my cord. I, well, I think we're in a world of like, where are you going? I'm you, getting a cord. Okay, cool. I think that there's like, we, we came into this idea of everybody needs to be trauma informed. And certainly that's important. Certainly, it's important to know who's been through what. But if we start going soft around the board, we start we stop bringing people towards tension. Like if we think of tension and a relaxation, we think of it from a perspective of to relax fully, I have to tense up fully. So while the physical body is going through the experience of fight or flight, can the mind stay centered on reality? What was the question? Because <laughs> everything's going on. I'm like, 
<laughs> what was the question? Sorry, I was going getting the cord so we can continue <laughs> your video. I was hold. I was like trying to hold space here. You're holding very well. <laughs> You're holding very well. Um, Thank you. Yoga teachers are not good yoga. I'm I'm gonna drill that until you until okay, you okay. tell me that. Why is yoga teachers are not really good yoga teachers? These I days? think I, th I think that um it's because we don't have as a as, if I'm gonna speak for yoga teachers. I think that we don't have the same confidence to um to call people out on what we see. Okay. And maybe call out is not the right term. Like I here let's 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 take it back. And I, and and I apologize for anybody who's triggered by anything I might say right now cuz I'm, I'm 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 just trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out. So I'm using words, but I I think I'm getting closer. Okay. Yeah. Um It's not about calling people out. It's about noticing what we notice. I think that's like a th a, um, a, an awareness, noticing what we notice. We, we have been taught not to notice things anymore because the things that we noticed might be, um, it might, we, we have this idea that it, it might be offensive to somebody. Okay. So like you, I come in here and I notice that you are hypothetically speaking a black man definitely hypothetically speaking yes definitely hypothetically if i notice that but i act like i don't notice that cuz you know, we're just people you know that's there's a man man i didn't even notice you know like because if i did notice it then all of a sudden like i might be racist i don't know yes noticing what we notice we've stopped noticing what we notice like somebody somebody might be a little bit overweight like this is part of their story this is part of the space that i'm in right it's yes. like like you look great you know and it's like and it's one thing to just be the nice guy yeah but it's it's not something else happens we start lying to ourselves it starts okay. to become the norm to lie to ourselves yeah and i think that yoga teachers because of like trying to make everybody feel safe in the yoga room. So more people come to yoga. Muzzle tov, like hallelujah, it's great, right? Come to yoga more. But isn't that really relevant to any? Like it's not just yoga. You read these days, you come to like school class and then you cannot talk about controversial topics. Like how does yoga different from any it's other? It's the same because it's yeah. like we, we live in this world where at least Western culture has been bifurcated. Like there is divisiveness in every part on every topic. And so we just, instead of like bringing up topics and being uncomfortable and learning how to like breathe through it, what's happening is, is now it's like, let's just not talk about it. Yeah. Let's not talk about it. Interesting. And I think that that's what yoga is too. Like, because, because it's yoga. Like, why would we talk about this, 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 and this? Because like, it's more important that people do it. And I guess on some level, it is more important that they're downward facing dogging and breathing and meditating and, and not feeling like offended that like somebody might see something or, or think something that they, you know? Um, but I think that part of the yoga or, or some kind of a yoga is also, stepping up to the door of our own triggers and and our limitations and the things that make us feel tense and 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 bringing that to our practice and seeing if we can use the the skills of breathing and relaxing and and just being aware and meditating and what have you to either integrate process or release those thoughts that's interesting to me 
yeah. once again once again i think like because i hear this a lot it's like you're a yoga teacher you know there's like there's like that like you have an obligation a responsibility you're a teacher people listen to you and maybe sometimes like i play into that role because like yeah i think that's the archetype anyway for sure or at least try it out sometimes but i always saw myself as an artist like and like i like I came into yoga from an acting perspective, you know, and I'm interested in emotions and I'm interested in, in subconscious and I'm interested in healing and I'm interested in like being successful and being efficient, um, experiencing love and happiness, um, and, and integrating, um, sadness and grieving and what have you transmuting it or anger, but I'm an artist. Like, <coughs> And I look at yoga not as like this guru said this <laughs> and there's this kind of yoga and here's the lineage and these are the tools. I'm like, I'm like, I want a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I want to see what feels the best right to me. And then like, I'm going to do my stand up routine. You know, I'm going to do my like my show, which is a version. It's like a piece and influenced by everything. Yeah. Through my eyes, through my personality. That's kind of how I've always seen it. And I think that it's important to be able to share that because I feel like students really, people now, students, people, clients, whatever, it's like being real is like the thing that, that's like yoga now. It's like we're so like not real anymore. We're so not able to freely express ourselves without, without some kind of like apology for it in many ways okay interesting yeah is it <laughs> is it interesting it's pretty interesting um i think i have i mean to me the whole part of yoga teacher yoga teacher trainings yeah having hundreds of yoga teacher trainings in bali having thousands of people go for yoga teacher trainings every month to me that's like strange and i don't me too i'm saying that if you want to be a yoga teacher please be i'm not i'm not discouraging anyone i'm just person who looks from outside and looking from outside i'm like this is all these people and i look at them it's like young girls who are like partying and then they go and they become a yoga teacher i'm <laughs> like do you really want to become a yoga teacher and teach people or is that because it's like hype thing or is that because you don't know who you want to be in life you just go and you choose to be a yoga teacher. Why is that? Why, why are you spending time on that? If you want to do yoga, just do yoga. Just learn how to do yoga. Do yoga for yourself. Yeah. To me, it seems very personal. It's like meditation. Yeah. I'm a meditation teacher. I, I never really get it. I'm like, okay, somebody really needs guys meditation. But in reality, if you are so good at meditation, why? what do you teach? Just go sit down and enjoy your life. Meditation is all about being present and in now and really enjoying it. Just go and sit down and enjoy your life. Don't, don't need to teach. Uh, I don't know. I think, well, like what I would tell anybody, because a lot of, a lot of students come and they'll say, I just want to go to the training for myself. This is so I'm, t I'm turning this around a little bit on the student, but like, I just <laughs> want to do it for myself. And I am like, okay, whatever. Like you can see that protection mechanism too. I'm not going because I have ambition. I'm going just because like, I just want to like do my own study. But 
part of your own study is then to share that information. Like teaching actually becomes a way that you study, right? Like it becomes a way that you through repetition and through experiencing how, uh, maybe your way of articulating um, or lack thereof the ability to articulate something, how you learn more about the very same subject that you don't want to teach, but it's the learning process. So I think that that's one part of it. Like I think that you don't have to be a pro at something like what you're saying is if you're so good at meditation why don't you just meditate why are you teaching well because like that person's still learning meditation maybe <laughs> you know that's their process and if you know and, and like they're creating a container for meditation in that sense and that's what you're, they're getting paid for right it's like the community that they're setting up the space that they're setting up maybe more so than their own experience or knowledge because now you can chat gpt the entire curriculum anyways that's like my problem that like blind leading the blind problem is like if you don't know the good techniques and good poses if you learn something on your teacher training but you're not really good at that then you go and you're propagating some of the bad habits you have to more people instead of you being with yourself learning how to do it training day over day over day learning how to be amazing at that and then i'm when i believe the teacher should not go and seek out students i don't know why I, that, that's my thought i, I believe that Somebody's amazing. They go and they do the yoga pose. People are like and people wow, just come. Lawrence is so amazing in that. I want to. Can you please teach me? And then you teach them. So they seek the teacher. These days, there are lots of teachers, and I like, I feel like look like I. This is an interesting conversation. It's like I have to seek students. Like I'm doing a teacher training. I have to seek students. Like I have to like I marketing is like part of the game i think that's why i said earlier to you like i like to use instagram in the way that i do right um because it becomes yoga it's like if i do something stupid and people have an opinion then i have to deal with the way that i feel if i you know or or if i say something smart then like, like even whatever it's like i have to deal with the way i feel i don't have an answer for what you're saying except getting out of yoga like stop teaching professionally and then maybe like people would call me that guys I'm a good teacher like I definitely provide an experience that's very unique and special and like and noteworthy for sure so um if I stopped and started doing other things I like I might find out if people would knock on the door I haven't thought the way that you're thinking and it's um I look up to it. I envy it. I wish it was something that I could just like experience, but like I'm not there in my yoga path yet. <laughs> but I mean, there's also different people. Uh, I was I was looking at this guy who is a YouTube influencer, Mr. Beast. I was listening to his podcast. He started YouTubing at 11 years old. This is the only way he was really bad at school, but this is the only way he thought that he could uh, do things is by being a YouTuber. And now he's 23 and he's doing YouTube. So, He's only 23? Yes. Holy shit. What, what I'm trying to say, bringing back to yoga, yep. if this is your life, yes. if all you think is yoga, if yoga is like your mindset, then you should do yoga. What I believe, like, and I'm really good at reading people. Yeah. Uh, that, that's my superpower. When okay. I, I believe looking at people and I sit down in my, drink my coffee in the morning and then I mention they have yoga teacher training and all those people from yoga teacher training go and drink coffee. So I hear what they say and I look at them and I'm like, guys, I think maybe one of you, one of like 20 of you is really passionate about yoga. I want to be a yoga teacher training. Why are you wasting your time on things that you don't have to be teacher? If you love yoga, just do yoga. 
Why do you? Well, need because to then they would have to think. I'm just speaking for myself now. Yes. Then they would have to think of something else to do. Yeah, that's why. Exactly. But isn't not, the, the that's like counter uh, counterintuitive what yoga is? Because you were saying yoga is about being present, listening to yourself, being in tune to yourself. Yeah, and then you're not doing that because you're just like you got your nine to five. You know, like you're in your routine. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop <laughs> teaching yoga now. This <laughs> is like after this podcast, it's very possible because like. But I have justified that for me is that everything is yoga. Like I remember I'm sitting, there was a moment, you know, and I'm still teaching yoga and whatever. I, I've acted, I've, I've hosted, I've, and I've struggled into figuring out like what's my purpose, right? Yes. But I remember early on in my Hong Kong days, it was like late at night, dark. I was in a hot yoga room, 40 degrees at like, not late, like 9.30, whatever, like finishing up my day exhausted probably taught four classes and we were in the peninsula hotel which is like a skyscraper on the mainland china side of hong kong looking onto the island of hong kong and this beautiful vista and it has like fireworks at night in that city it's crazy um and i was just like thinking to myself what the fuck am i doing here like what the fuck am i doing in this room with a bunch of like hong kong people like sweaty hong kong people i put them all into child's pose <laughs> i was like child's pose child's pose everybody like the room is dark it's dark outside and i'm just like what am i been doing here and then i had this thought this little spiritual moment it's all going to be worth it these skills these skills are they're up to something like these skills this consciousness like you're like working on it's up to something it's worth it um and I'd like to think that it's worth it. <laughs> I don't know if it is, but I enjoy, I enjoy, I think the experience of connecting to people more than I'm addicted to like teaching you yoga. That's for sure. Okay. So like, I'm going to find something else to do. <laughs> I got a teacher training coming up in July, <laughs> July 19th, 2023 at the Yogi Garden, y'all. It's probably going to be my last one. <laughs> so get in on it now. Let's go. <laughs> Anyways. I want to want to change the subject before you decided to walk out. Okay, we might get me back in. Yeah, don't do yoga, yoga at all. I heard you talking about craniosacral work. Yes. I don't know what that means. To me, that's a foreign word. I didn't have a time to put it in ChatGPT today or in Google or whatever people put words to, to get. Which so I, AI do you use? ChatGPT. Do you, do you, four? Yeah. Four? Yeah. Is four way better than three? Way better. Okay, let's go. 20 bucks is worth it then. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, Making yeah. the investment. Yeah, I'll show okay. you afterwards. Okay, nice. Um, craniosacral work. What cranial, is that? So I learned cranial sacral work when I was getting, when I moved to Hong Kong, I started being introduced to it. Um, I was in this world of yoga and then a new world was being exposed to me. And it was this woman by the name of Anna Forrest who comes off as like, I'm a shaman. And I'm not saying comes off as like bad. I'm just saying like, that's her vibe. She's got this uh, Native American vibe. She healed herself from anorexia, from alcoholism, using yoga, like just to, powerful scary woman and also really like big-hearted and loving her anatomy teacher did body work and like massage and stuff and everybody would go to her her name is ellen heed uh everybody would go to her and she taught anatomy so i went to her anatomy course and then all my friends were like getting a massage with her which is like 200 bucks and i was like well, this is so ex expensive it must be worth it so we were all going 
And it was more of a coaching session before I was really aware of coaching, right? So she would like talk about your life and what's going on. And then she would work on your body and like kind of make that connection. And a lot of times that what was going on in your body would somehow relate metaphorically to what was going on in your life. Like, and I would see Anna do this to the teacher. She would like shoulder back and then she would say to a student, you have unhealed trauma with your mother, for example, and everybody would be like, whoa, and she would like change a physical ailment that had been with somebody for a long time through creating some kind of an emotional kind of unwinding of a story and also an unwinding of the tension in their body. Does that make sense to you so yes. far? Okay, yes. so I was seeing this over and over again. So I became interested in what this was, like the, what this approach was. Um, so then Ellen did a cranial sacral introduction. Cranial sacral is like, comes from the world of osteopathy, which is movement or healing of the bones, we would say. But it's not like chiropractic. There's, it's not, for the most part, forceful. It's very gentle. So what I would say is when I do, for the most part, although because of my yoga and all of the other skills that I have, like I, I integrate all kinds of stuff. But in terms of cranial sacral, the idea of cranial sacral is that I'm holding your cranium and I'm holding your sacrum the same way that a baby's body would be held, would be, you know, so before that their neck muscles develop, so you have to hold a baby's head, right? Yes. So this creates an association. What, for, what's a sacrum? Cranial is not. Sacrum, sorry, thank you for pointing that out. Sacrum is part of the spine. Okay. It's also part of the hips. It's the, it's a bone that, where the lower back and the hips meet. So it's like if you touch yourself, it's just below your bum, like where your bum starts. Okay. So, right? Yeah. And it's like a triangular fused five vertebra. It's okay. five vertebra. A vertebra is like one of the like the bones of the spine. Yeah. Five of them are fused together and right below it is the tailbone. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the sacrum is like right half of the pelvis, left half of the pelvis, and then the sacrum the spine is lodged at the back of your body between the two. Yeah. Okay. So sacrum, which is like the bottom of the waist yeah. and the head, that's how a baby's held. So that creates like a, um, a feeling of, of a connection to being a child for a person. It's yeah. like, Oh, this is how I was held. So the first relationship with any sense was touch. So people go into touch and they, re they tend to relax really deeply when they're in this, when this is me, you can try this at home with your friends, <laughs> but you can, right? Yeah, yeah. And like, but so I am like, I've been doing this for 10 years where I'm taught to like, listen to the activity of the bones. Okay. So based on microscopic pulsations of the muscles, the bones are starting to have some kind of microscopic movement. With my hands, I meditatively feel it and give the bones permission to move. The body in a parasympathetic nervous state, parasympathetic ultimately means relaxed or means um, feeling safe. Yeah. It starts to regenerate and heal itself. So what you're doing is, is you're falling into a trance-like state yeah. in a state where your body was most generative and you're starting to give yourself permission. Now, I'm not per se doing anything other than placing my hand somewhere and listening and just following. I follow the what would be called the cranial wave into its unwinding. This is all cranial sacral language. But it's like the idea is that the we got we're wound up. We got tension through life, whether it be muscular, tissue, um, like fascial, emotional, which would live in the body 
psychological, which would live in the mind slash body, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, you bring somebody into their suggestive state, right? Like your subconscious, your hypnagogic um, between awake and asleep in this trusting space. And the body starts to tell me, my hands, through sensation, through like energy, so like electricity feelings kinesthetic i'm just trying to find every word so everybody gets it because like there's i know that once we talk about this stuff you were talking about that like things that what you know people don't always know yeah. but like you follow the energy the electricity the pulsation and it starts to create patterns those patterns are superficial they're the ones we learned once we break out of um, patterns that are repetitive into patterns that are not repetitive anymore through this like energy movement, yeah. that's when the healing usually starts happening or the deep unwindings, which can like they can be gentle and you cannot see anything happening if you're watching or they can be like a crazy undulation of the spine and movement and somebody's like releasing and so on and so forth. But ultimately, it's bringing somebody into this state of trust and safety parasympathetic so that the body can then start healing itself beautiful is it beautiful because like that's been a running thing like is that would you think marcos would be sold on that i don't know you should ask I marcos I uh i don't know okay. he didn't like it i i didn't say it to him like that before we just have this running conversation of he's like so me cranial sacral and i'm like so i always try to explain it to him and he's always like closer, not quite there yet. So I was curious if you thought that was a up I, to par. I can relate to it, but again, I my mind is more analytical. Uh huh. So whatever I cannot justify with facts, I try and see the immediate results. For me, it's hard to get excited about. Right. But I'm. I think that was something that I don't mind trying. I, I will put it that way. That's that's let's, why I feel. Let, let's do a session, bro. Let's do a session. All right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, if if you're still gonna teach after after a podcast, well, the cranial sacral is not yoga. Okay. These are different things. Did you I've integrated everything is yoga. True, everything is yoga. Well, good catch. But I've integrated the the two of them because because I think cranial sacral is like pretty special work. You know, it's healing work. It's really cool to see how people shift and something changes for them. Like there's some kind of a release intention every time. It's oh. pretty yeah cool. What is uh, Q motion? I don't even know. I got to be honest. I think like I was like working on a um on a project when I was uh working with uh, Habit Accelerator, which is like a coaching brand that I was it's now called Limitless. Anyhow, it's something that I created. Well, okay. I haven't like worked with that brand, but what Q Motion ultimately is it was an extension of my yoga, which also included coaching, but also work that I've done in the past called emoting. So I think like if I look at like what I'm doing now in terms of an extension of that, it's like being able to take things into our bodies. So like using affirmations, but also using movement and emotion and like energy building. So I've done work with like recently been practicing some Himalayan Kriya Yoga where there's a lot of like tapping, which is a lot of like the stuff that comes up in NLP. Mm -hmm. So tapping, affirmations, incantations, that kind of stuff where I would really like take it to the next level in terms of integrating it with yoga is making it really physical, like making it super physical and super dynamic. So it looks um, so it, so it builds a lot of energy and a lot of fire in the body and be, can become emotional so people can start feeling open to express themselves. Yeah. Yeah.
Very interesting. All right. I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm sold at that, but cranio, cranio, sacral for sure. I'll take you through. I'll take you through some Q motion too. Don't worry. All right, all right. <laughs> um, rapid fire questions. Okay, let's go. Which you would know if you would listen, but then it's a surprise for you, which is even better. I like surprises. Um, you can answer short term, short form. You can answer long form. Just same questions I ask every guest. What are some of the routines that you have that help you get into focus and uh, motivated to keep going with your day and working on on your mission? can be night day any routines so one of the things that i've recently changed is i like to go work out but now i go work out later in the day so i that's just new for me i just realized that i would in the in the mornings i would work out and they would tire me out like i would get back to work but in the evenings when i'm tired it'll energize me and i was like oh this it's got this beautiful neutralizing aspect to it so i've moved my workouts to later in the day now also it also adds an excitement of um a, a sense of excitement because i can't wait to get to it um and then on top of that, it also shows how integrated. Because before I was afraid, I got to get my workout done. So then I got a check mark. But now I'm like, it's so integrated into my life that I'm going to go to it. And I like the idea of going to it later in the day. I love to write. I think writing super important. Yeah, poetry. We didn't talk about poetry. Let, let's make a quick detour. Uh, you said that something that you, in, when feeling the form, there's a question, something that you haven't mentioned before is poetry, which you did mention one of the podcasts that I found. But anyway, you and the poetry, how did that come together? I has, I've always just written. I think as a kid, too, like I was influenced and exposed to rap music and stuff. And But I always wrote poetry. It was always just something that... I, I, I wouldn't call myself a poet from the point of view of like... It was more of a stream of consciousness of expression that was always part of my life. Like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. And I also think... I think like when I think when I wrote it in terms of the form that I that I wrote you it's like I don't think that we can discuss spiritual aspects of life from a rational and logical point of view like I think it, it has to be through poetry like if we want to like follow the signs so to speak we it has to be through metaphor and poetry to listen to your heart is poetic not rational always okay um getting back to routines let's so. do it Morning. How does your morning look like? What time do you wake up and what, what do you do in the morning? I wake up anywhere between 4 and 6.30. Wow. It's pretty early. What do you do in the morning? I My first hour is spent on a combination of meditation, maybe some affirmation work, some visualization, kind of get the day going and also get the day started and, 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 and see the day and, and utilize that, that time where I'm not like fully sharp to do things that are going to help wake me without burn me out yeah i used to go to the gym like i said i like your walk though that's an interesting it's an interesting way to go about it um, i'm gonna i like walking but like uh-huh i like your first thing in the morning it's an in, yeah it's definitely like definitely re- recovery some kind of stretching because you're stretching your legs blood flow meditation it's all together in one yeah 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 so for me it's like I guess it changes all the time, but the last few months I've been in get up, meditate, create, um, create like affirmations, do a little bit of time in the mirror, just kind of like looking at myself and having a conversation with myself. There's that, there's that time going on too. Um, and then I get to writing, I get to writing pretty fast. 
and like within an hour like I'd spend an hour kind of like with myself sitting and then I get to writing and I do anywhere from two to three pomodoros like 24 minute clocks okay and I use my writing either to figure shit out with myself or to create something um but I just make sure that I'm writing so my brain is like doing that which is i think kind of like what you're doing on your walk you're having those conversations you don't put them on paper do you i'm fascinated with this like walk i did journal uh you do i journal at night you journal to finish off the day to like empty your mind before you go to sleep yeah does that work too for you nicely very nicely nice i like that because i have certain things i want to do every day certain buckets i want to complete so at night i just give myself uh, happiness score, uh, fulfillment score, and just score myself. Mm. And then I sort of keep a track of. Have you always done this? No. Uh, I've done journaling, uh, some kind of journaling for most of my life. But this, it's like a different different template. So this time, now, last couple of months, I just want to get back and understand what makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And my goal for the next couple of months is just to have pure fun. Wow. Just realize yeah. how to have fun in everything. Okay. Fun in sitting here, fun in walking, fun in working, just fun. And that's why I'm trying to sort of quantify how much fun I have. Oh, I see. That's great. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Um, next question. Yeah. What were some of the beliefs that they used to hold? Can be yesterday, 10 years ago, you can choose any time. They don't hold anymore. This is a rapid fire question. Yeah. How do you rapid fire this one? This takes reflection. What are some beliefs? You know, I recently, I can't say what I thought before, but like I recently really had this like epiphany around the thoughts that I think I make into reality. And I guess I would have thought the same before, but my behavior in terms of like my beliefs were that, I could filter bullshit out. Like I could trust myself to filter bullshit out. And you can't trust yourself to filter bullshit out. Like there's just too much bullshit. The capacity to filter isn't at that level. So you have to, I have to like really protect my, my mind, the things that I think. And that's a new belief. I think in terms of like the level that I'm, that I'm aware of it at now. Very interesting. A couple more questions. If you meet yourself, let's say, 10, 15 years ago, knowing what you know now, what would you tell yourself? Yeah, like, I guess, like, invest in Bitcoin. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's why I'm like, but what else I would have said, I think, was I really had a keen interest in the internet, you know? And I think, I wish that I would have, been more in tune of social media at the beginning because I, w- I already was but then i would get distracted and it's interesting to see like what it became it's interesting to see what it became and also like how it's proven how all how all aspects of life have proven that playing the long game is always the good game yeah yeah it's beautiful i agree 100 percent which book or books, if you like to read books, uh, have influenced you the most in your journey? If you don't like to look books, we can talk about movies or anything else. But since you write poetry, I assume you like to read. Yeah, I like to read. Um, 
What books? I think like when I think of a book that I read when I was younger that sticks out whenever I'm asked this question, I always think of The Beach by Adam or Alex Garland. It's a novel that was made into a movie about a kid that travels to Thailand and joins the Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, but the book really is like, I'm like, I remember like being like impressed with myself that I read that book when I read that book. And I'm reading a book now that's an older book that I'm really loving too. It's uh, The Power of the Subconscious Mind. It's so cool just to see the little tricks and tips uh, and also the different perspective of how the metaphysical portions of life work. It's an older book, like I said, but I'm I'm getting enjoyment out of it. Awesome. The last question, which I agree is not a rapid fire question. Maybe you should change the name rapid fire to something else. Slow fire. Um, the the deep slow fire question is how to live a happy and fulfilling life by Lawrence J. How to hit, uh, live a happy and fulfilling life by Lawrence J. Build a relationship with yourself. Like really get comfortable with spending time alone. And protect that time like your life depended on it. And I think the rest is history. Wow. Awesome. Uh, those are all my questions. Before we go, how can people find more about what you do if they want to sign up to your amazing yoga teacher class or follow you on Instagram and read about you uh, saying that yoga teachers are not good yoga teachers? Yeah. or your Russian posts. Um, how can people find out more about you? You can check me out on Instagram. It's at Lawrence J, a couple of underscores after Lawrence J. We'll put in the show notes, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have, you can sign up for my email list. I like to write, so I'll send you an email. I write stuff that's like interesting <laughs> about all kinds of topics related to wellness, consciousness, um, health. Uh, what else? You can come to my yoga class. I teach at Yoga Barn right now. I'm doing a yoga teacher training in July, so you guys can sign up. Uh, spend 23 days with me and my staff in turning you into a yoga teacher. Nice. Yeah. At least facilitating an experience that's going to lead to be able to share yoga with others, honestly. I don't know what else. YouTube. Come Go to my YouTube. I'm just, like, There's all, all kinds of stuff there. Some funny videos that are comedic and nothing to do with yoga. Some Russian yoga classes, if you love your Russian yoga classes. Yeah. Yeah. Some uh, uh, water plunges, cold ice plunges. I love cold plunging. So good. Do you like cold plunging? I love cold plunging. It's a good one. How long do you do? Well, I don't, I mean, you, the one that you did was in a freezer, so probably like two degrees. This one I can do maybe a minute or two, but I go to Champon Spa here. That is, people say it's cold there. Uh, yeah. It's about eight degrees, and I do usually three minutes there. That's good. Yeah. But I'm not competing. I'm going to compete with myself. So for me, I usually do 10 minutes in sauna, three minutes cold plunge, and then five minutes hot one. So I do it like in cycles, maybe two, three times. Oh, okay, cool. I like that cycle. That's a spiritual experience in itself. Yeah. That cycle. That's a good cycle. Three minutes in the cold is not easy. No. No. Awesome. Uh, any parting words before we go? No, I think that's good. I feel I feel like this was a nice conversation. I'm very grateful. Yeah. Same. I'm grateful for yeah. the opportunity. This is cool. 
thank you for coming uh thank you for sharing your wisdom and thank you guys for listening yeah to the next one yeah bye bye